Guys, if you have your Bibles, I am in John chapter 4, starting in verse 46. And the Word of God says this. It says, uh, actually, I'm going to start in verse 43. Let's go up just a little higher. It says, After two days he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. When they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him because they had seen everything that he did in Jerusalem during the festival, for they also had gone to the festival. He went again to Cana of Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a certain royal official whose son was ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea into Galilee, he went to him and he pleaded with him to come down, uh, that's to Capernaum where he's from, and to heal his son since his son was about to die. Jesus told him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Sir, the official said to him, come down before my boy dies. Go, Jesus told him, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and departed. While he was still going down, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. He asked them at what time he got better. Well, yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him, they answered. The father realized this was the very hour at which Jesus had told him, your son will live. So he himself believed along with his whole household. Now this was also the second sign that Jesus performed after he came from Judea to Galilee. All right. Um, It's last week, first sign. This week, second sign. And uh, John actually, uh, at the end of his gospel, somebody last week said, didn't Jesus perform a lot more than seven miracles? And and their response is, yeah, he he did way more than that. In fact, at the end of John's gospel, he he even says that in John 20, uh, it, it tells us how many, like, that Jesus did a whole bunch. It also says uh, why he recorded these seven signs. So it says this. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples uh, that are not written in the book. In other words, Jesus did all kinds of miracles. But get this, these seven signs. He says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So why did John choose these seven? That's why he chose these seven. That's why we're studying these seven, trying to see what these seven things mean for us. With that in mind, there's two things I want to share with you this morning uh, that I kind of want to point out about this second sign. And here's the first. I want you to understand this morning, guys, that in the kingdom of God, believing is seeing. Okay? In the kingdom of God, believing is, is seeing. All right? And, and so we were to kind of set this up, guys. There's a, there's a father, right? There, there, there's a dad. And, and this dad's son is sick and has a fever that is evidently going to lead to death. And, and, and he is, like, this is a dire situation. So, so here's the deal. Jesus has already begun his public ministry. That started last week in Cana with, with turning water into wine. First miracle, uh, ministry has started. Remember, Jesus gets invited. His mom is there. He's probably got about five disciples with him at that point. So, so from there, uh, no doubt, hello, 120, 180 gallons of wine. They're probably still drinking some of it. Uh, the word has spread that something is different about Jesus. Now on 
on top of that, then Jesus and his disciples went to a festival in Jerusalem where there were more signs and miracles and wonders. Probably lame people walking and blind people seeing, right? And, and so the Jesus stuff is now happening. He, his public ministry has begun and word is getting out, right? And, and, and so listen, as word gets out, uh, it, it, here's what leaks. This Jesus that's doing all these things is headed home. So now listen, we've got to understand what John writes and why he writes it. This is why we started in verse 43. So as Jesus heads home, he says something to his disciples that is key to us understanding what this passage is really all about. Because this passage is all about what true belief looks like. Okay? I just want to, I want to say that again. A huge chunk of this second sign is what true belief really looks like. So Jesus is heading home. He knows what's, what's going to happen. So on his way, he says to his disciples, so important that John records it, a prophet is without honor in his own town, right? I mean, that, that's, that's what he says. John 4, 43 through 44, after two days, he left there for Galilee. Jesus himself testified, means he told them, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. So he's headed home, and he's telling them, hey, y'all, I, I want to prepare you. Uh, like, I'm not going to be honored here. And then we read the next verse, and you go, wait a second, was Jesus wrong? Because then the very next verse, verse 45, it says, when they entered Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Right? And, and so John records this for us for a reason, right? Because Jesus says, hey, they're not going to honor me. They show up. There's a big crowd that shows up. That sure looks like honor, okay? It sure looks like honor, but, but why are they there? Notice what he says. He says they welcomed him, ready? Because they had seen everything he did in Jerusalem. You see, when the big crowd shows up, it looks like belief. It looks like they're there because they believe in what Jesus is doing, Okay, but no, they're there because they've seen what he's done, and they, they just want some more, right? They just, they just want some more. That's not belief, y'all. That's not faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith for us. It says that faith is the reality of what's hoped for. It's proof of what is not seen. Not seen. So Jesus is, is coming to his hometown. He said, hey, prophets aren't going to be honored in their hometown. Show up. Like there's a big parade, basically. The crowd is there. It sure looks like honor. And Jesus is like, nope, this is not honor. Don't you get confused, disciples, that this crowd is honor. This crowd is not honor. They just want to see more signs. And that is not belief. And with that as the backdrop, now we will see what belief looks like. Right? Okay? With that as the, the backdrop, we see what belief looks like. So, uh, so the man shows up. And, and, and he's like, Jesus, you've got to come with me. My son is dying. You please come with me. And then Jesus responds to him. It seems harsh. Do you remember Jesus' response to his mother last week? Also seemed harsh. Woman, what does this have to do with you and I? Right? We said it really wasn't as harsh as we read it. Well, this one seems harsh too if you think that he is speaking just to the man. It seems really harsh because Jesus says, unless you people, verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you won't believe. But let me ask you this. What if he is speaking through the man to the crowd? Right? The man comes saying, I, I need you, Jesus. I need you to be there. I need you to come. 
And Jesus is saying, unless you people see signs, you won't believe. You acted like you believed. You showed up. The crowd is here, but that's not belief. Okay? Either way, it doesn't phase the Father, by the way. The, the Father, this royal official, is what the text says. He is unfazed by whatever Jesus has said to the crowd. So he just says to him again, verse 49 and 50, Sir, come down before my boy dies. Come. And Jesus says, this is great. He just says, go. Your son will live. And I want you to notice the man's response. Ready? The man believed what Jesus said and he left. He departed. Y'all, that is an Abraham moment if I ever saw one. Right? You remember the story of Abram? God shows up like, Abram, I'm going to make you into nation. What do I have to do? He just said, get up and go. Where am I going? There's no detail. He just left. He just left. He believed and he left. So this man believes and, and he, he left. And I want to I, I revisit Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the reality of what it's hoped for. It is proof of what is not seen. The crowds were there because they had seen. This man did not need to see. He believed. And I want you to see the result in verse 51. It says, while he was still going down, his servants met him saying that his boy was alive. Alright? So, uh, I just want to say this to you. Guys, this, this world is really rough. This world is so hard. And, and, what happens through life, at least in my life, I think it happens in yours too, is like all the stuff that we go through, it's like every little thing just chips away at you just a little bit, right? Sometimes it, 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 you almost wish it would take chunks so you would know, but it just every little thing, just, just one little chip and then one little chip, and it just chips away at you. And before you know it, you're jaded, you're cynical, and you have the same attitude as this crowd, which is basically, I'll believe it when I see it. Right? And don't lie to me. I know many of you personally. You know me personally. And we take this approach all too often, even with our faith. You know what? I'll believe that God can rescue my marriage when I start to see some changes in my spouse. You know what? I'll, I'll believe that, that uh, they can change if, fill in the blank. And y'all, we take on this mentality, I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I can see it, and that is proof that this world has just jaded our hearts. And yet, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, the kingdom of God is completely the opposite. When Jesus uh, preaches the Sermon on the Mount, just go read the Sermon on the Mount and think about how our world operates. It's just upside down from that. In the kingdom of God, it is not, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. In the kingdom of God, it is, I will see it when I believe it. Right? It's not I'll believe it when I see it. It's I'll see it when I believe it. If you don't believe me, listen to what Jesus says about prayer Matthew 21, 22, he says, if you believe, what? Y'all can talk in church, it's okay. Let's try that again. If you believe, 
if you believe, doesn't say if you receive, you will believe, because that's duh, right? Duh, yeah, if you receive, you'll believe. That's what the world believes. If you, if you receive, then you'll believe. The kingdom of God is, is flipped on its head. No, if you believe it, then you will receive it. So that's where we start with this second sign. Belief has to come first. Belief has to come first. If you believe it, then you will receive it. In the kingdom of God, belief always comes first. Okay, second thing I would share with you um, is this, is that Jesus is Lord over distance and time. So what does this second sign mean? This is, this is the heart of it. That Jesus, remember they're all meant to point to Jesus, that we might believe in him, that we might have life in his name. What is, what is the point of this second sign? It's that Jesus, this Jesus, man, he, he, is, he is different, right? This Jesus can speak and it is done. This Jesus is Lord, right? He is master, he is over both distance and time. How many of you... Um, just ask a couple questions. Have you ever had, um, everyone ever said to yourself, had one of those, um, if only I had been there moments? I think a lot of times we, we, we attach it to like survivor's remorse. If only I had been there, maybe it would have been different. If only I had come. I, I, this is a, again, we participate in church. Welcome. Uh, have you ever had one of those? I, otherwise, I think I'm the only person, y'all. I'm going to check myself in. Uh, next week. Has any, have you ever had one of those I, if only I'd been there moments? Come on, like, right? Okay, other people, so not just me. So we, we had those, man, if only I had been there, if only I had been there, maybe it would be different. Maybe they would, like, and, and, and man, those moments are really, really hard. So now I'm going to ask you a second question, follow-up, also really, really hard. Uh, have you ever had one of those if only you had been there moments? Right? It's not a, if only I had been there, but, but now we're, we're not pointing the finger at ourselves. It's not about guilt. This is, this, is, this is anger and frustration. God, where were you? If only you had been there, God, then things would have been different. Come on, this is church, so this is confession. We had it before. Let's have it again. How many of you have ever had one of those moments? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And listen, I'm telling you, when I read this text, I believe that is exactly what this father is feeling. He is having one of those moments where he's like, God, I need you with me now. You need to come to where I am. I need your physical manifested presence in my life. And if you show up, my boy won't die. Right? And I want to say this to you. Listen, if you've ever felt that way, Man, you're in really good company because the people that Jesus loved the most felt this way sometimes. You remember the story of Mary and Martha? We'll get to that as we walk through the Gospel of John. But their brother Lazarus dies. Jesus, good friend, he gets sick, he's dying. Jesus stays where he is for two days before going. He makes sure that Lazarus is dead. He shows up. The first one to meet him in the town is Martha. John eleven twenty one. 21. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Right? The next person he meets is Mary. Right? So he gets to Mary and she cries out in verse 32, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I'm telling you, I think that's exactly how this man felt. Lord, I need you here. 
I need you to come with me right now. I need your physical manifestation of, like, I need you to come and be present with me to heal my son, right? For Mary and Martha to, to uh, heal my brother. For some of us uh, to heal my marriage, to, to um, keep my kids on the right path. Right? I mean, you, you name it. All the areas that are falling to, to help me be the person I'm supposed to be. To keep my foot from slipping. I need you physically to be here right now. And secretly we're going, God, where are you? And yet in both of these instances, here with this man, the royal official, and, and, and with Mary and Martha, Jesus is doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing. He's doing the will of the Father. Which, by the way, uh, if you're wondering where Jesus is right now, he's doing the will of the Father. John 14 uh, says that he is in heaven preparing a place for us. That's the will of the Father. Okay? So he's, he's doing that right now. Okay? And that's a big deal. And what he says to this man, and what I believe he says to Mary and Martha, is the same thing that he says to us. And, and it's... And it's in love. Ready? Here it is. For all that have ever asked God, where are you? I'm just going to say this in love. I think he speaks the same truth to us that he speaks to this man, that he speaks to Mary and Martha. Ready? If you think that I need to physically be present in order to save, in order to heal, in order to fix then you don't really know who I am and you don't really understand the authority that I have. I am Lord over distance. Right? I am Lord over... That's what we see in this miracle. Jesus heals... This, this boy is 15 to 20 miles away and Jesus heals at, by speaking a word. Doesn't have to touch him. Doesn't have to... Just says, go. Your son will live and, and he is healed. You say, well, okay, so, so he's Lord over distance. What do you mean by Lord over time? Verse 51 and 52, it says, he asked them, uh, that, so, so he goes back the next day, by the way, when they say, hey, yesterday at one o'clock, so uh, it's like a full day's journey. Uh, he meets Jesus at one. He can't get back without night coming, and, and then there's robbers and all kinds. Of, so he spends the night, he's headed back early the next morning, a little safer, and he runs into his servants, and his servants meet him, and, and they tell him, you're boy's alive. And he says, well, well, what time did he get better? And this is the reply. Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. And I want you to notice the next verse, verse 53. The father realized this was the very hour, the exact time which Jesus had told him, your son will live. It's at the exact time. Jesus, Lord, over distance and time. So he himself believes along with his whole household. That means that no one is ever too far or too far gone and it is never too late. By the way, in the story of Mary and Martha, it seemed like it was too late, didn't it? He's going to say to them, I, you, you don't understand me or the authority I have. I'm the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, let's go. Come out, right? Jesus has more authority or power we could ever imagine. So with that in mind, I want to tell you what I think the second sign encourages us to do, okay? Uh, number one, number one, like all these signs, it should encourage us to receive Jesus as Lord, right? To receive Jesus as Lord. 
That's what it's all about. And John 20 says, why, why, why did I write these seven signs down? I gave them to you so that you might believe in Jesus and by doing so you might have eternal life. Uh, I had the pleasure of, John and I had the pleasure of, of, of going and, and uh, ministering to, to a family uh, this last week and it was rough. <laughs> it was rough. Um, it, was, it was a hard situation. But in that really hard situation, we were able to realize that, uh, that, that one, of those, one of those people in that room didn't have a relationship with the Lord. We were able to share Christ with them, and, and they prayed to receive Christ right there in the living room as, as we're there together, right? And, and that, that's what it's all about, okay? So listen, these signs are meant that we might believe in Jesus. And if you're here and you've never done that, it's not too late to put your trust in Jesus Christ. You just have to say, uh, Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm a sinner. Um, I realize that I've done a lot of things that I shouldn't. I know that God is holy and perfect and he can't have anybody that's not in his presence. That means if I died right now, I'd be separated from God forever and, and I, I don't want that. But Jesus, I believe that you came and lived the perfect life that I couldn't. I believe that you died on the cross as a payment for my sin and I'm gonna put my faith in you by asking you to come and take control of me. That means that you're my Lord. You're my Lord. You're, you're in control now, and I will live for you. And the Bible says for anyone that does that, they will receive eternal life. They become a child of God. It's awesome. So if you want to talk to somebody about that today, um, our staff will be down here at the end of the service. We'd love to talk to you about Jesus and help you, point you in the right direction. So that's first and foremost. But for those that are Christians, what do we do? Second point, ready? We need to start believing it and leaving it. You got to believe it, and then you got to leave it. All right, this is this is what I love about. So so we've got we've got these this group of people uh, that look like they believe, because every time Jesus shows up, they're like, "Woohoo! I want to be around that." And so they show up. They look like they believe, but they just want to see him work, right? And then you have this one man that Jesus says, "Go, he's healed," and he leaves. Did Did you notice there were no questions? Anybody else a little shocked? Anybody else? Right. You just leave. Your son will live. Pew! Dude is gone. Right? And listen, I believe with all my heart, that is a picture of what prayer should be like. I'm going to say it again. I believe that is a picture of what prayer should be like. So many of us flooded the altar earlier. There were lots of prayers. I'm going to ask you a pretty tough question. Uh, some of you were dealing with some hard stuff. Uh, you don't have to raise your hand in this. But how many of you, after you said amen, you took back up that burden and walked back to your pew? Because that's what we do. Y'all, we live in this really jaded world. I'll believe it when I see it. So we pray, but then we pick back up that burden and we take it back with us. And, 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 and in, this, in this miracle, listen, this guy believes it and then he leaves. I think that's the way we're supposed to pray. God, I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm trusting you. And I'm leaving in faith that you are going to do what you say you will do. Right? That is faith. Believing in what you cannot see. Okay? That's faith. That's what this second miracle is about. Third, uh, we need to thank Jesus for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Um, I said last week that all of these signs point to a, a greater 
spiritual meaning for John. Uh, not just are they supposed to point us to Jesus, uh, that we might receive him as Lord, but there's, there's usually a deeper kind of meaning. So last week we talked about kind of the empty jars and uh, old religion versus, versus Jesus who brings us joy. Um, this week you say, what is this pointing to, Pastor? I'm, I'm saying this is pointing to the Holy Spirit that is coming, Right? So, so this miracle, this healing from a distance is pointing to where Jesus is going, right? So his whole active ministry, once he becomes public, he's telling his disciples, I'm not going to be here with you forever, and guess what? It's better for your sake that I'm not. And they're like, what do you mean better for our sake? Like, we are part of the kingdom, man. We're watching you heal people, lame people walking, blind people stealing. Yeah, we're in it. And he's like, no, it's better if I am not physically here with you. It's better that I'm gone. And you say, why? Because I'm sending another one, the counselor, and he will not just be with you, he will actually live in you. What's better than God with us, God in us? It's better. Jesus right now, y'all, is in heaven preparing a place for us, but he is also with us through his spirit who lives in us. He said, it's better that I go away so I can send you the Holy Spirit. You need to thank God for the fact, all those times, you, where are you? He's like, right in here. Shh. You need to thank God for that. We need to thank God when, when we go, but I just want to see you. And he's like, but you can feel me, but I'm with you, right? Hey, if I were physically on earth, I would be in one location. That's where I'd be now. I'm everywhere with everybody, living in them through the power of my spirit. This is better for you. And you're going to do even greater things than I've done. It's crazy. So we've got to thank God for the Holy Spirit. This miracle is pointing towards the Holy Spirit. And listen, y'all, once we start to understand the Holy Spirit's role, I think there's only one other thing that we can challenge ourselves to do. Ready? Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Man, if the Spirit has been given to us as a sign and as a comforter, as he's been given us to empower us and to grant us wisdom, if he's been given to us so that we can discern the will of God, like I'm just quoting scripture here, y'all, right? If, if the Holy Spirit is all of that unto us, then what are we doing? Right? We are walking around in everything else. We're walking around in our old ways. We're walking around in our desires. We're walking around in our wants. Meanwhile, like, listen, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So we're doped up on anxiety meds. Uh, we, are, we are stressed out to the max. We're up to our eyeballs and credit card debt. Like, we are doing everything because we're doing it all on our own and we are dying. And yet here's the Holy Spirit going, man, if you'll just walk in me, you'll have abundant life. Man, I'll take care of all those things. You can have the peace of God. Just walk in the Spirit. And so Paul says, so I say to you, walk in the Spirit and you won't gratify the cravings of the sinful nature because they are opposed to one another. Right? What's the best thing that a Christian could do? Focus on walking in the Holy Spirit every single day. The Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. Don't be afraid. Don't be freaked out. Just, just ask the Holy Spirit. Like we, we talked about last week. Invite, invite the Holy Spirit into those other areas of your life, into your finances, into your marriage. Like, like listen, come into these areas of my life. 
You've been given to me as a gift, as a counselor, as a God, as empowering, right? Just be those things in me. And we trust God with that, okay? Let me pray. Father, thanks for loving us. You are good. Um, Your mercy endures forever. Pray this morning uh, that you would help us walk out, live out these things. Ask that in your holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen. Amen.